Coming up on today's episode, we take our first look at the NHL offseason trade bait board. Plus, could Toronto and Edmonton be potential trade partners after their early playoff exits? Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rowicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here to kick off the week. Brandon Rowicki here with you and joined by CJOB's Tyson Rowicki once again. Tyson, how are we doing today? Pretty good. Western Conference Finals are done or are all set, so we're getting down to the nitty gritty of the NHL season. I honestly, I'm kind of looking more forward to the off season at this point. You know, like yeah. you know, like when especially when your team sucks so much the past couple of years, you just sort of it's like the playoffs are almost a blur, and you're just looking forward to like what what's going to happen. Like we need some we need some action with our team. So I'm actually I'm very much looking forward to this off season coming up right here. So hopefully. We get a couple, maybe a couple four-game sweeps, and then off we go. Yeah, I mean, Florida, Carolina, <laughs> Dallas, Vegas isn't uh, sexiest in terms of matchups, but I'm glad you're into the offseason, Tyson, because this is the episode for you. We've got some, uh, we've got some actual, I guess, news at the very least, rumors to talk about. But I, I would put this under the news category. Um, so we'll get into some uh, interesting tidbits that popped up over the last 24 or 48 hours for sure. But before we do that, I thought we'd maybe switch things up a little bit. Um, just to start off, th- this episode and maybe other episodes if this ends up being any good. Um, <laughs> but I'm a big trivia guy. I I, I know there was that, that, that lady that was on Jeopardy from Winnipeg a little while, like a couple of weeks ago, right? Yeah, dude. Yeah, do you want to get into I, that? Or? Well, no, we have to get into that. It's you know, like that's that that's my goal, my dream, and I think I got like forty eight out of fifty on a Jeopardy test, and they're like, "Yeah, thanks, nerd. We'll see you later," and didn't get an invite for that. But um, sports trivia is kind of my jam. That that even more so than just regular trivia. So I maybe maybe we'll try out and and see if we can do a little bit of trivia to start off each episode. How does that sound? And I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, we'll, we'll do hockey. We'll keep it to hockey uh, because we are primarily a hockey podcast. So since it was game seven uh, between Seattle and Dallas, and Dallas ends up winning 2-1 off to the conference finals, I thought, why not do a couple of quick, uh, quick game seven trivia questions for you, Tyson? Okay, so we'll test your knowledge a little bit here. See if you Uh-oh. can pull it off. Are, are you confident at all? I don't. I'm. I have no idea what questions you're gonna ask. So I have no idea how much I'll know. But I. I. I'm. I'm gonna say I'm confident. Keep that confidence up. All right. Well, here I'll. We'll, we'll do three here. I'll start you off with a with a freebie, and then we'll get into the other two that are a little bit trickier. Okay. Um. So since it's game seven themed, let's just start off with the easy one that I'll. I'll just throw out there off the top of my head. Who is the NHL all-time record holder for points in Game 7? Points, not goals? Points. I mean, the first name that comes to mind is Mr. I mean, Justin Williams, but I don't think he would have... Is it Justin Williams? It's Justin Williams. So don't okay. overthink it. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Game 7 holds the record 
for most points with um, 15 game seven points. Now, here's the difficult part, and I don't think you're going to get this. I don't know. I don't like. I, I wonder how many people would like legitimately get this on on the first try without looking it up. So, like, if you're listening to this, try not to look it up and see if you're able to pull it off. But I, I, I don't know. It's not like impossible, but it's just not the names you would think of. So I'm kind of giving you some hints here. Uh, but Justin Williams holds the record for most points in Game Sevens in NHL history. Two players are tied for second. I think it's with 13. One retired, one active player. Which one do you want to go for first? I'll do active. Okay, which active player right now is tied with another player for the second most Game 7 points in NHL history? Um, can I get one hint? No. Okay. <laughs> um, he's, old, he's older, but, but I think if I feel like that was kind of implied. Is he on the Kings as well? You, how about you just guess? Because we I don't want we don't want to do uh, dead air or anything. I, I can't I'll, give you I'll like say, twenty hints. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Kopitar. That's not a bad guess. I, I don't think he's anywhere near the uh, near the radar in terms of uh, game seven points. Um, I would have said my initial guess would have been Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, it's Bergeron's teammate. Marshawn, Brad, Marchand. David Krejci. Whoa! <laughs> like, there's no way, unless you were a Bruins fan. I don't know if there's any way you would guess David Krejci, <laughs> but like, look it up. David Krejci has 13 game seven points. Bergeron's a couple behind him, but yeah, David Krejci, second most game seven points in NHL history. I don't know if he picked up any in the uh, the, the the matchup against Florida there. Um, so David Krejci's the active. Who is the retired? Um, player. Now, I'll give you a semi hit. He he, he he would have retired in the 2000s. Okay. Game seven. I'm going to go with Sergei Fedorov. Oh, not a bad guess. Incorrect. It's um, and in honor. We, we will talk about the Leafs a little bit later. Um, but in honor of the Leafs, the last time they went on a run, Doug Gilmore. Wow. Doug Gilmore. <laughs> Yeah, Doug Gilmore. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because I think the majority of those happened with Toronto in the, in the couple the of player fronts that he had in the early '90s there. So yeah, <laughs> there's there's a yeah. Tell, tell throw that out to your friends, everybody that's listening. See if anybody can get even close to that. Um, I don't think so. I'll give you one last one here, Tyson. Um, and I don't think you'll get this one either. Retired player, but do you know who holds the record for most points? In a single game seven in NHL history with five. Um, I'm going to go it's, with. It's not going to be a Lemieux or Gretzky or someone like that. I'm going to go with. You know what? I'll even give you another hint. It happened in 1990. 1990. Okay. I was not going to guess someone from 1990. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Luke Robitaille. I like that. You're incorrect. It's Steve Larmer. Steve Larmer oh, with Chicago Steve in 1990 put up a five spot. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. I mean, there's a handful of guys that got four, but he's the only one that's ever gotten five, which is interesting. But I guess that makes sense. Usually, not that much scoring in a game seven. Um, 
Joel Kivaranta almost came close to that with that Hattie for Dallas a few years back. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's our game seven theme trivia. So I'll uh, I'll leave it up to you, Tyson, for next week or for our next episode on Friday. Um, see if you can come up with two or three trivia questions and try to stump me. Try to stump the Schwab. A little throwback. Oh, that was the best game show. Oh, stump the Schwab. He was such a he was such a slob. It should have been stump the. But man, did that guy know? He he do sports trivia. That was honestly oh. like the best format for for like a sports trivia show too. Like it was awesome. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna, I got to find out where that's streaming, and I, we we should try to recreate that. I, I think it's on YouTube. I think they have old episodes on YouTube. Okay, this is okay. All right, I like this. Um, let's try not to veer off too much into um, a complete uh, 90 degree turn there. Let's try to get this one back on track a little bit. But that was, that was fun. We had a pretty good time with that. Um, but the big story to me, at least in Winnipeg Jets terms, over the last little bit, we'll talk about the Leafs Oilers playoff exit um, later on in this episode. But if you're a fan and reader slash subscriber of The Athletic, um, their big off-season article would have definitely caught your eye this morning. Um, the Athletic always does trade bait boards for the off-season and then the trade deadline as well. And I mean, you can quibble about who's on it, who's not on it, all that stuff. The guys that are on these are generally on them for a reason, and they're generally going to be on the move. Not guaranteed, but the likelihood is very, very high. Especially the ones... In the top half of the list, and um, did you did you see the list, Tyson? Have you? I, I know oh, you kind oh, of like yeah. understand it, but have you seen the list? Oh yeah, okay. I, I saw it. All right, I saw it this morning. Yeah. And I was like, holy moly! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's because it starts off with a bang, and then we get a little bit of a drop, and then another bang right after that. If you could believe it or not, I feel like you might. Four Winnipeg Jets are in the top eight of the Athletics trade bait board. And then a fifth in Logan Stanley is on the names to watch list that didn't quite crack it there. So, I mean, you got five guys in total in and around the board. And then you have four in the top eight, including number one and number two. If you would have, would, would you have guessed who number one was if somebody like told you beforehand? If if I would have known that the Jets were that there was four Jets in the top eight, I w- I would have guessed. But like just seeing the trade rankings, there's no way I would have said that whoever who was yeah. number one, what it was going to be number one. There's no exactly. way I would have guessed that. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty shocked. And if you haven't seen it yet, you might like this, you might hate it. But Connor freaking Hellebuck is number one on the Athletics offseason trade bait board, followed by. Again, surprising, unsurprisingly, Mark Shifley at number two. Maybe the two guys most likely to return out of the core four here in Winnipeg, but it's Hellebuck, Shifley, one, two, followed by Willie Nylander at three. We'll get to that a little bit later on. Um, Eric Carlson, Kevin Hayes, who's basically already been traded. Um, John Gibson, which, again, kind of... Kind of going to be pretty influential if, if Hellebuck's on the market there at six. And then Blake Wheeler, seven. And PLD finds his way at number eight. What? What What do we make of this? Like, What's the what, what's the first thought when you see that? I, I was like, there's not that much shock because we all know the situations. But, man, 
to to put Heli at number one over a PLD, for example, kind of makes you wonder a little bit if some of these guys know a little something that we don't know a little something about. If you know what I mean, like is is oh. there is there maybe a little more to this than I'm not going to say rebuild like any any of that stuff, but I feel like you just don't put a hellebuck on there, right? No, there's there's no way there's not at least some smoke, right? And obviously, where there's smoke, there's fire. And even I, I, I can concur. There's some. I've there's been some rumblings that there's going to be some changes. And you know, we were a little worried about management being a little gun shy. I don't think we need to worry about that anymore. And I'll I'll leave it at that. But I I do think that there's going to be some some big changes to this group. And one of the things, too, with a list like this is that sometimes, you know, it's not the most likely player to get traded, right? It's the most big-name likely player to get traded. Like, I would still put Blake Wheeler's chances of getting traded at the highest compared to those three. But when you have names like Connor Hellebuck out there, teams are going to be lining up, right? Like, and even, you've mentioned this a couple times, too, but Mark Shifley at $6 million, and you have the option to retain salary on him, and you can get an absolutely massive haul for a guy who's scoring 40 goals at what 3 million like that would be the price tag for him for a year like that's absolutely absurd and i, I think you're just seeing that there's a lot of teams out there that are really make uh, teams are still out to talk right during the playoffs like it's not like it's a complete silence on everyone like there's only four teams left in the playoffs and there's 28 that are out of the playoffs and you're telling me that those teams aren't having conversations already like I think that when, especially with the athletic, when an athletic list comes out like this, you have to put some serious merit into where these players are being ranked and and the names that you're seeing because you know these guys' reputations are on the line. They don't want to look like a guy that they don't want to look stupid. So to have those big names up there, I think there's there's definitely some definitely some smoke, and I think there's going to be more smoke to come as the season comes to an end. Yeah, well, I mean, it's for, for those that don't know, it's it's put together by Michael Russo and Eric Duhachuk of The Athletic. Um, Duhachuk's a, a Hall of Fame hockey writer, and Michael Russo is pretty connected <laughs> down there in Minnesota. So, yeah, like I, and I, I don't think it's look, is it a guarantee that all four are going to be moved? No, I'm not going to go that far, but oh man, it's <laughs> it's it, it's getting pretty interesting that you kind of wonder here is that going to be uh it's going to be a case of um when not if i'm just going to try to pull up as well uh the previous year's off-season trade bait board just to see if i can find how many how many guys actually did get moved um kevin fiala was number one on last year's trade bait board uh moved before july one so they nailed that one um then it was followed by jt miller jacob chikrin tyson berry and Jeff Petrie and Alex DeBrincat. I mean, five of the seven there were moved? Like, relative, right? Like, say, yeah, say, say what you will about some of these lists, but these guys don't throw names out there, um, you know, willy nilly. Like, they're, they're, they're on there for a reason. And if you look at some of the other names, I mean, they're, they're probably hitting like 70% hit rate on the guys that they had in the top 15 of the trade bait boards. Um, I would agree, though, that it's funny that. We both agree that the guys most likely to be traded are seven and eight, as opposed to one two. And I, I, yeah, I do wonder about Wheeler. Still, we'll, we'll probably have like a Wheeler episode. There's a part of me that wonders: is it not? Are they not better off as a buyout? 
like maybe instead of trade bait board, it's like movement board. You know what I mean? Like I right. just just the, and the only reason I say that is are you? I, I just wonder what the asset you have to give up to move that contract. And you and don't I have understand. a second and a third next year too, so that's, that's like you, point, you have yeah. minimal assets. Yeah, I, I, maybe you find a team and and look, hey, look, retaining half on Wheeler, four million dollars. He's still gonna give you probably sixty points next year, in and around like you know it's not terrible value, but we just know all the time that I mean, look, Columbus gave up Bjorkstrand for basically free last year. And he's Seattle's best player in the playoffs, right? <laughs> like just because teams knew that they had to move him for cap reasons, you're just you're not going to be able to to give him away for free. You're going to have to pay. And so I, I I do wonder if maybe a buyout isn't the best situation there, um, even though it is a cap hit that that carries over into next year. I might I might lean a little bit more towards that as opposed to giving up an asset to move Wheeler out. But to see Hellebuck Shifley one two is it's 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 pretty eye dropping. And, I mean, if you had to ask me right now today, do both of them get moved? Ah, man, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, like, yeah, I mean, Hellebucket one does put a big dent in this, but I, man, I, I still think Hellebuck's a Winnipeg Jet by by game one at the very least. I, 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 I don't know unless unless he really comes out with a. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm gone. Sort of a statement. I I think the Jets keep him, even even if he doesn't sign an extension in the summer. I, I don't know. I don't know if you're somewhere in that path, but do you think do you think they've had those talks already? Do you think they've had like some sort of you know what do you feel like? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Do you think? I, that's I think part it, of but I I don't think it was you know I don't think it's Hellebuck demanding to trade out or anything. But I think it's like Helly, do you want to sign here? Like. What 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 are the parameters around you signing a long term extension in Winnipeg? That sort of a thing. And if it's you know I want to be on a competitive team for the next five years, oh yeah, we can do that. But if it's going to be yeah, I don't know, guys, it's probably not going to happen here. I'm I'm looking somewhere else. Then obviously this becomes a completely different conversation. So I I don't know. To to me, there there's two things clouding a Hellebuck trade right now. One is the fact that I think the Jets desperately want to keep him. But two is the fact that you have names like John Gibson out there as well. UC Saros was floated around earlier, uh, especially with Askarov with with, uh, Nashville waiting in the wings. And I was going to say Carter Hart as well. Like there's, and and those are all guys that have a little bit more term left on their deals. So it's, it's not the greatest. I mean, goalie markets are never great. At any time, they, it, it just doesn't work out that way, seemingly. But even with some teams that need netminders right now, like you wonder, Hellebuck's the best out of all those guys. I mean, Hellebuck Soros are the best of all those guys, right? But if you're looking at terms of, would you rather have Hellebuck for maybe one year? Or, I mean, Soros for three. Or Hart for, I mean, multiple, multiple years. Gibson for multiple, you know what I mean? Like it. It does give you a little bit of pause there with his uncertain contract status. And and that's kind of why I think the Jets are going to, they're either going to sign him before we get into all this, or they're just going to go into the season, hope they can convince him, you know, as the year progresses. And if not, you move him at the deadline. And I don't think the trade of the deadline would be all that much different from the trade right now, to be honest. 
Yeah, I agree with you. Like that, it, there's going to be some teams at the deadline that realize that their goaltending isn't quite there. And if all you need is two teams that think that, and all of a sudden you have a massive bidding war for Connor Hellebuck, because those guys, those guys that you mentioned, I feel like that those are more off-season deals. Those aren't deals to happen yeah. at the deadline. So I think that you could really corner that market there and really create almost, you might even be able to get a better return. Now you might not have the same ability that uh, in the off season where maybe you can luck out on a first round pick, a team not panning out as they, as they totally plan. But for the most part, any team with Connor Hellebuck is going to be a playoff team regardless. So I think that you can really generate more buzz at the deadline with holding on to Connor Hellebuck. If things do end up going that way, but then you also have to think at the same time, if you want, if you're going in this direction with Connor Hellebuck and you're moving him for what we'd assume is future pieces, do you want him ruining your position in the draft? Yeah, because Connor Hellebuck's going to get you. He's going to keep you in that. In he's that not going to get you a bottom five pick, is what you're saying, right? Right. So it's kind of like, I think, yeah, I and that's completely fair. I like to me, I I I take that risk a lot. Unless you're getting a home run trade right away, like if you're deciding rebuild, I don't know. I mean, there's some awful teams. <laughs> like there's some really bad teams. Like even with Bedard, Chicago is horrendous. Anaheim, I don't think is going to be. I mean, Anaheim might be a little bit better, but then again, if they're trading Gibson and, and some other pieces, who knows how they're good they're going to be? And and there's, I mean, Philly as well, Montreal as well. Like I don't know. There, there's a lot of bad teams that. It might not even matter all that much. I, I to, to me, I think I think the move is I I mean, I don't necessarily think the Jets need to to rebuild, rebuild, but to me, I'm I'm just again, elite talent. I'm finding a way to hold on to him. Um Shifley at number two. And this is the hey, you talked to my idea, retain at 50%. Let's have some fun with that one. I mean, literally every team in the league is gonna be able to find a way to fit that under the cap. Um and it's funny because I think a lot of teams, you know, pe- people will say, well, you know what? His value is not that high. People know some of the negativity that's been in the Jets locker room. And it's probably league wide known at this point. Yada, 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 yada. Other teams will say, yeah, sure. But he did score 42 goals last year. We can change it. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't a problem in our locker room, so we can find a way to work that. I I think that's how that situation is going to be looked at there. And I mean, look, even at six million, Tyson, he's with with all the deficiencies that go into it. You, you don't get forty two goal scorers, eighty ninety point guys at at six million. So there's just going to be a ton of value there, and and I, a ton of teams interested in Mark Shifley as well. So even with the Jets needing to do maybe a bit of a reset more than anything or a culture reset, I, I, I don't think they're going to have too many difficulties um, finding bidders for a Mark Shifley trade. We can get into that a little bit more in depth. That, that'll need to be its own episode, a, a Shifley edition there. Um, any of the other names in, in that list surprise you? I mean, outside of the four Jets, we all, I mean, look, we all know that, that Dubois was going to be um, somewhere in and around. I thought he'd be a little bit higher. Um, but coming in at eight is, I, I, I guess that's fair with some of the other names as well. Um, but I mean, seeing the Brinkhead there at nine with Ottawa one year after they traded for him is is pretty wild. And then there's a few maybe potential Jets targets. In I mean, Ivan Provorov is a name we've heard 
really for a few years about his potential connection with Winnipeg. Nick Schmaltz as well with Arizona at number 13. And then maybe even uh, an Elias Lindholm or a Connor Garland with Vancouver looking to shed salary cap space. Any of those guys or somebody else jump out to you? I mean, Elias Lindholm surprised me. Like with the with the Sutter firing, I thought that would kind of smooth things over. But if he's available, man, like that's an underrated center that a lot of teams are going to be calling on, right? Like he's got that. He is one of the top, I'd say one of the top 10 defensive players in the league forward-wise. I, th- I think that his defense is fairly underrated. And he's got silky minutes. Like he puts up points too. Like he's he's a guy that a lot of teams are going to look at and think that if we have him as our sort of 2C, he would be an absolute, I would form just an absolute dynamic one-two punch down the middle for any team, really, if you can fit him in as your number two center. Well, and I, I, and I, I said, I've said this. I know the contract situation is different. Shifley for Lindholm, the deal is one for one. Yeah. And I think Lindholm only has one more year, right? Well, so that's what I thought, but they have 2025 UFA here. So let, let me, uh, Cap, Cap Geek is going to be our, our, our true barometer here. I thought, or Cap Friendly, sorry. I thought he had only one more year left, like Shifley. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll figure that out for you. But I, I do wonder, you know, I mean, Calgary's always looking to wheel and deal, even though they don't have a general manager right now. But, I mean, if you're looking for a little more scoring punch, Mark Shifley, yeah, he's 2024. Yeah, so they both got one year left on their deal. So that's why I kind of wonder about that, where it's, you know, you solve one of our problems, we help to solve yours sort of a thing. So I, I would just keep an eye out on, on Calgary. I think Lindholm might be... Uh, might be a potential fit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if something like that happened. I love. I love that. To be honest, I think I've, I've always been a big fan of Lindholm. And but the other name that surprised me is number three, and that he's already this high on the list. A couple days removed from getting removed from the playoffs, and Willie Nylander. All right. Well, like, let's that's... get into this then, Tyson, because of course the Maple Leafs, as we all know, flamed out. I guess it was over the weekend. Um, and then the Edmonton Oilers followed them out the door on Sunday night as well. Um, let's start with Toronto because that's the fun one. I was surprised to see Nylander that high as well. What, like, I mean, I guess what do you, everybody's got an opinion on this. What should the Maple Leafs do? You, well, you have to move one of the core four, but it, to, to me, it's just funny watching the Leafs playoffs this year and that Willie Nylander is the guy who's he's the only guy that scores in the clutch. Yeah, and I thought he showed up every game. Like, there was maybe the game here or there where he wasn't at his best, but to me, like, when you're looking at guys like Marner and Matthews, I th- I thought Nylander provided a way more consistent effort throughout the playoffs, and he makes the least amount of money out of all those, all those four guys, and it's just... But I do get that maybe the logistics of moving... I mean, obviously, Tavares' contract is going to be near impossible to move just with declining play and even though he's still service uh, not, he's more than serviceable right now obviously but just with his declining play you you worry about taking on that big of a cap hit and then you look at Matthews and Matthews and Marner with those huge cap hits too and then you're removing a face from your franchise and I just to me I think that you have to really shake up the core and I think that I I know you're a big fan of him and I and I'm a big fan too but I think Mitch Marner is a guy that's got to go yeah, well, I said Mitch Marner was the best winger in the NHL, and then he sucked ass for five straight games. <laughs> Maybe look like an idiot. Got people texting me all the time, like, "Well, I, this guy isn't the best." The, the guy that we saw earlier was, I, I mean, 
I'll, I'll, I'll ask a question in a little bit here that that I I'm I'm intrigued by, um, because I, I think it is different in Edmonton. Like Edmonton feels a little more like Colorado before they broke through and won the cup, where it's like they're close, right? Like they're they're. I know they got to tinker and add and and do all that, but like they're. If, I mean, this was a big miss opportunity, but it feels it's not as seismic as it is in Toronto right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, like, to me, out of the core four there, I, I don't think it makes sense to trade Billy Dealer, like you said, because he makes the least amount of money. Like, there's value in him having him at seven mil. I don't think you can trade Austin Matthews just because, and I know he did not play very good down the stretch there either, but man. 50 60 goal scoring power forward winger down or center down the middle like i i, I think you can keep that around to, to me it comes to the Tavares and Marner and i don't know if you can send Tavares to Robidoux Island so i mean <laughs> i you're kind of stuck with that when you flip him out to the wing i think like Stamkos in in Tampa and and hope that gets you a little bit more but yeah it, it does feel like it's you you kind of you know take away door a door b door c the only one that really makes sense is Mitch Marner at this point. And it, it kind of feels like that's the inevitable move here. And I mean, you want to talk about following a blueprint. The Florida Panthers did something very, very similar the year prior in terms of shipping out two high-end guys to get one guy. I mean, it didn't work out super well for Calgary, but um, you can see how a big move like that can totally change the group that you have and, and be a tone setter. And I, I think that's what we see Toronto do this offseason. I think I, I do think whether it's Dubas or somebody else that we see Mitch Marner move. I think he's the guy. He's got to be the guy, right? Because you can, in theory, do the, the Kachuk, the reverse Kachuk, move Marner for maybe two solid pieces, whether it's scoring or a little bit of help on the blue, whatever it might be, goaltending too. And that's how you go about it because they just haven't shown. I, I, everybody says you can't win with, you know, these guys making this amount of money. You can, they just have to play like 10, yeah. $11 million guys. And he just hasn't done that consistently enough in the playoffs over the last few years. The question I want to ask is how many of those guys would you take in Winnipeg? Like the, from the Leafs or from, from we'll start with the Leafs. Specifically think, the core four. Like, and it's funny because, like, I mean, Matthews is the most desirable of the four. I don't even make a phone call on that. <laughs> like, no. Austin, hey, Austin, um, you're having doubts about signing in Toronto long term. What about six years in Winnipeg? <laughs> Austin, are you, you're, hello? <laughs> right? Like, I, I, like, to me, I don't even, we don't even have to get into that. But, I don't know. I mean, the the Marner one's interesting. Like, just because the Jets have a couple high end wingers that make four to five million dollars less than Marner, I don't know what a trade might look like. But let's just say Toronto came calling and said, "We're interested in either Connor or Ehlers, and then a secondary piece on your roster." Ah, uh, man. Uh- I'd probably do it. I'd like. I, I, I think I would too. <laughs> and, and like that's the thing that that worries me a bit is just what we saw with Connor is a lot of what we saw with Marner too in this playoffs, right? Like it's just 
you see the flashes of skill, but it's just not there on a consistent shift to shift basis. And so I kind of then it would pain me a little bit just because to like Connor and Ehlers, especially Ehlers, are making less money than Mitch, Mitch Marner is. And so you're taking on a big cap hit there. And it was just all it, to me, it depends on what that secondary piece is, right? Yeah. Like if it's, if it's, let's say, Ehlers and Neil Pionk, I'm doing that deal nine times out of 10. Yeah. And, and Toronto like, says, Hey, how, how, why don't you go kick rocks outside? If you yeah, want to, right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think. It's an intriguing fit there, but I just don't know if the set. It depends what that second piece would be. I, I don't know if Winnipeg's the best fit for that, just because they're pretty shallow on the blue line. Like you're clearly not going to do, say Ehlers and Morrissey for like that. That's just insanity. So that, that like so that's a complete off the table move. But then Winnipeg doesn't really have another piece on the back end to give up. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I guess I guess if you want to get totally nuts. The Jets do have an Ontario boy in that trade bait board. Like maybe Mark Scheifele and something else. I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I'm wondering if there's a fit there and uh, you'd have Marner for two years here in Winnipeg. And to me, he's the rare winger that is a center in value. Like he can drive his own line. And again, I know it hasn't worked out for him, but I, I think, I do think too, that for Marner, him being a hometown boy has been, a major, major curse that there he's, there's just too much pressure for him. Like it's, he just can't handle it. That's some guys can, some guys can't. And I think he'd be better off literally anywhere other than Toronto. I know Winnipeg can be a, a little bit, it's a little bit harder to play in, but it's, it's no Toronto for a Toronto boy. Like, come on. So I don't know. I, 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 there might be something there. I'd be intrigued to see, there's always like you know LeBron and and Friedman. They they kind of if, if Marner's on the trade block, they're like here's our initial list of teams, and it always seems to come from one of those. I'd be intre- interested to see which teams pop up at the top of the list there as potential fits for uh, for maybe Mitch Marner or somebody else that might get moved out of Toronto. In Edmonton, I don't even think it's necessarily more so like who you'd take from them. Like is Connor Hellebuck the missing piece? For the Oilers, could maybe a Mark Shifley work in terms of his low salary there? Like, what do you what do you think about the Jets and Oilers as potential partners? Well, I think the Oilers are going to ask about Hellebuck like a thousand percent, and and I, it, I, was, just, <laughs> I, I was seeing. So I, I thought I saw something earlier today. This is Ken Holland's last year, correct? So he's currently without a contract. I don't know that for sure. But it does seem like they have a succession plan in place that Ken's uh, son is, like he's the assistant GM, I would assume is going to take over there. But I think, I would imagine Ken comes back. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, I was just going to say, if he doesn't, you're going to want to, whoever's up next, likely Ken Holland's son, is going to be able, or is going to want to make a big splash for this Oilers team, right? Like you want to you want to put your stamp on this team right away and add that missing link or that missing piece. And so I think, I mean, they'd be stupid not to call him Connor Hellebuck. Yeah. Like, you need a goalie. You need, and if you get one of the best goalies, McDavid Drysdale can probably outscore more than the team's going to score on Hellebuck. So I think the fit there is perfect. I just, I would do worry about, I mean, obviously you have to take into consideration they're sort of your rival. They're not necessarily a division rival, but they are in the Western Conference there. And, and all the Canadian teams sort of have some, some semblance of a rivalry kind of going on. And don't care. 
and that, and that's it's just it just seems like a perfect fit but i just don't know about the assets that you'd be able to get from edmonton well, in, in a yeah, situation the, like that the, the problem the problem with edmonton is it's a futures trade like they'd be giving you futures back yeah they've got some i mean like for making some pretty big moves they've got some really intriguing pieces um I think enough pieces to to get a trade done for Connor Hellebuck, to be honest. Would they be willing to part with those? I, I would imagine that they would try to be aggressive there. You know, I'm, I'm not a big Philip Broberg fan there. What was he, number eight overall a few years back? But I mean, a 21-year-old, six-foot-three defenseman, that's kind of interesting. Dylan Holloway would be the big, big potential piece in a trade there. Uh, he was their first rounder from, I think, Wisconsin a couple of years ago. They, like, they've got the pieces. It's just if you're the Jets, A, are you willing to do a move for Hellebuck that's only futures? And then B, is there going to be a team out there that can up the ante on an Edmonton trade there? So I, I think that, honestly, I think I think Edmonton is a better fit than, than Toronto um, just because I think Toronto has to move out, find a way to move out the 11-plus of, of Mitch Marner. But I think, to, to me, Shifley or Hellebuck make a lot of sense to go out there at Edmonton. And I mean, getting a Dylan Holloway back at a trade for either one. I mean, that that's that's not the worst piece of business there. So I I would just keep an eye on what's going on in there in Toronto and Edmonton. Um, do you want to do you want a juicy hot take prediction about one of those two teams? Yes. I will say, and I hope our boy Rossi's listening to this. I don't know if he's going to like it or not, but I'm going to say that the Edmonton Oilers do make a blockbuster move. But it's not for Connor Hellebuck. It's for Carter Hart out of Philadelphia. <laughs> the, I mean, that and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if Edmonton is able to do enough or if maybe Philly is willing to do this on their part to include Jack Campbell in that trade. Yeah. If you want to get assets back, if you're, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. I, 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 and Carter Hart's an Alberta boy, so it might, end up being the perfect fit there but i mean if you're edmonton at this point i know that you've got bottom six problems top seven d's and all that great all that stuff i mean if, if Stuart skinner could have stopped a beach ball in the playoffs they'd be they'd be on their way to the cup final <laughs> i'm sorry it just they did they did not get any goaltending there and with mcdavid and dry at this stage of their careers that, that to me just seems to be the missing piece and I mean, if they can get a Campbell's deal somehow, it's, I mean, that's a massive, massive win, but like to have an incoming goalie and Stuart Skinner as your one, two punch Edmonton would probably be feeling pretty damn good about themselves going into next year. And I think, I think they make the move for Carter Hart. I I, I do. I, I, I think we're going to see a few goalies moved. I, I just don't think it's going to be Connor Hellebuck. I think we see Carter Hart get traded just from everything I've heard out of Philadelphia, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I think we see Hart move. And then I do think we see either Gibson or Soros moved as well. I think UC Soros to me is kind of the under the radar guy that nobody's really talking about. Because if Nashville really wants to go full rebuild, like that's how you get the number one pick. If you're yeah. if you're Nashville, like that that's signed, sealed, and delivered. Moving on <laughs> from Soros there, and with some of the other moves that they made so far. So I yeah I I, I still just don't think it's going to be hell of a, but I think we do see a number of teams move. And I mean Edmonton's going to be one. Hell, Toronto might even be one as well. And then you have what Buffalo, the Devils, Kings, L- 
LA, yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams interested. So be interested to see what happens there. But um, if you're a believer in the athletic and their trade bait board, uh, yeah, get ready for a hell of a summer. It's starting to shape up that way. Kind of feels like it's going to happen. But I feel like we say this all the time, so I'm not going to get my hopes up too high just yet. Um, but uh, at the very least, Tice, we are, I mean, just a couple of weeks away from from the action actually starting to officially kick off here once the season comes to an end. So, yeah, I'm like you. I'm pretty excited for things to wrap up now that um, none of our teams are even remotely interested in competing in the final <laughs> four for the NHL. Uh, but that's where we'll wrap up the episode here. We'll put a bow on it there, and uh, we'll talk to you guys at the end of the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki with us once again. We'll get back at it, like I said, Friday morning. And maybe even we'll do another What If episode. We'll see if we can find a different multiversal path for the Winnipeg Jets to potentially follow this offseason. Maybe what a full rebuild looks like, since we're talking about four of the eight players on the trade bait board being Winnipeg Jets well if that's the case let's see what happens if we get some futures in baby and it might not be the hockey news 2019 cup champs maybe we're the 2029 Stanley Cup champions we'll dive into that a little bit on Friday uh but until then though thanks again so much for listening enjoy the rest of your work week stay safe and try to have a good time everybody we'll talk to you Friday morning peace